What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It is Friday, and you know what that means. I am bringing on someone who is responsible for building, hiring, doing all of those important things when you're thinking about building out content marketing teams. And now she is leading a company. I am joined by Stephanie Cox, CEO of Lumavate talk about setting your content marketing up for success. We cover a lot of ground in this conversation. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Tell a friend that you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm excited. I haven't done a recording in a while. I'm back in the mix, and I am joined by a local guest. I'm joined by Stephanie Cox, who's the president at Lumavate. Stephanie, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited to be a, one of your first guests back. Yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I, I'm taking the training wheels off and we're, we're going right at it. But I think we have got a really good topic to talk about. I think this one for anyone out there, if you are uh, in management, if you are in leadership and you are hiring content people, which I know is something that we're all doing. This is an episode for you. We're going to talk about how to think about advanced level content when hiring junior level writers. Really good topic. Um, Before we get into it, Stephanie, um, maybe talk about, you know, the podcast, talk about Lumivate. Let's start with the podcast. You guys have real marketers. I was fortunate to jump on it. It's a show that I'm enjoying. Maybe just share some perspective on why you started it and kind of what, what are you learning from doing it? Yeah. One of the things that I think a lot of marketers struggle with is the truth. When you scroll through social media, it seems like a lot of, you know, everyone's doing great. Everyone's hitting their numbers and killing it. And I think the reality is marketing's hard. It's really hard. And there's not a lot of people that share like the good, the bad, the ugly. And I wanted to find a guest to have on the show to kind of bring that perspective. Because oftentimes when you have conversations, especially when you've been doing this for a while, like I have, you have kind of like your core group of people that you talk to where you talk about the truth, like, oh, you know, LinkedIn ads were working for us. And all of a sudden it just stopped. Like what happened? Is it me? Is it right? Like what's going on? And I wanted to bring that really level of conversation to two marketers of all different experience levels. And that's really what the show has been about. And it's been a lot of fun because I want to talk to people who are not just talking about doing the work, but actually doing the work and having a perspective on it. Because that's the other thing I think sometimes is missing from the podcast arena is you hear a lot of like these experts talking about stuff. And I'm like, well, that's great. But when's the last time you actually wrote a piece of content? (laughs) Like, I'm glad that you're talking about SEO. But like, if you've not done it lately, you don't understand. So that's, really what the show has been about. And it's been a lot of fun having really guests of all kinds of different experience levels and industries on. I feel like I learn something every single episode. And, you know, I always tell people there's the benefit of the podcast of educating the masses, right? But the also there's a benefit as being the host, because I get to hear it before everyone else does, which is kind of like little insider fun times. But the other part is just getting different perspectives even if it's on a topic that I'm really experienced in, like having someone else come in and share how they thought about it. Like when you came on the show, you talked a lot about not using the phrase ICP and using the phrase hero, which was just like this light bulb moment for me. I'm like, why why aren't we doing that? So that I think is really the big benefit. And then for Lumivate, the reason why the show makes sense for us is we are a platform that enables marketers to build apps without code. And 
you know, we're really all about making the job of marketers easier and giving them more power. So that's kind of how it all came together. No, I love it. And everyone should go check out the show. It's really good. And I think everyone's nodding and shaking their head. We all, I think, desire authentic content and authentic stories and Real Marketers is bringing that to you. And everything you said, I'll just, we'll retweet it into the hemisphere because I couldn't agree more and pumped for, for, for that show. It's really good stuff. So let's get into the topic. Maybe we, and this is good. This is fun. This is a good content topic that I don't even think I've come close to talking about on this show. Um, and maybe let's start around like the hiring process. And just, I know like you constantly see job recs out for content roles and I get messages and DMs all the time because we talk about content. Hey, do you know any content people? I'd love to get your perspective on maybe just like, what are some of those qualities you look for when you're bringing on uh, content people at Lumivate? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, Everyone's looking for content. And I think a lot of people don't know what that means and or the type of profile to hire for. I think there's an assumption that, you know, English majors are best for it, or you need a marketing background. And in reality, I think really what a exceptional content writer profile looks like is someone that can communicate well, and can be creative. And those are the two things. And I find those in a lot of different degrees and a lot of different paths. So that's really what I always look for to get started. You know, how do they communicate like in their resume, in their conversation with me, as well as, you know, how creative are they? And I do a really simple test. Um, Some people do like these, they're like, send me samples or send me, you know, write this piece of content. You can do all that. But the easiest way to tell if someone's really talented is to ask them to write a blog post that would go on your company website about them being hired for this role. One, it's simple to do. It requires them to read your content, find your voice, which should be pretty easy to do. It it helps you figure out, can they get in that style? And it shows communication style and personality and creativity faster than anything else will. Because oftentimes when you ask them to do something, like maybe a piece of content that is kind of adjacent to what you might actually write for in the role, they tend to go to one to two different spectrums. One, which is like, they go too deep in the weeds and they're trying to make sure they get like every nuance to impress you, or they go way too high level. And 90% of the time you need something somewhere in the middle. And it doesn't really tell you anything. It tells you like, are they good at research? And let's be honest, everyone today is good at research. Like everyone knows how to use Google. We don't need to evaluate that skill. What we need to evaluate is can someone figure out our tone of voice, take a topic and they should be passionate about themselves more than anything and do that in a creative way. And so that has been probably for like the last eight years. Like that's how I hire content writers. Um, That's like the only test I give them. I will look at their, like if they send samples as part of like a resume process, I will read them, but I can guarantee you like that is the number one way I do it. I give them 48 hours to do it because I don't want them to think about it a ton. I want them to just do it and go. And that's my evaluation process. I love it. It's go do the work and let's see what comes out on the other side and see if you're a a good fit. And I know you mentioned writers, but maybe Mm -hmm. just to, since, you know, what's content is such a a broad spectrum these days. When you're hiring uh, these individuals, do other like mediums play a role on 
in, in kind of the hiring process? Like, are you thinking about that or are you kind of just separating out? Okay. I need a, a writer for this and maybe we'll get into video and I need video for that. Like, how do you think about that? I think about storytelling because that's really what I'm looking for, right? Is someone who can tell a story with creativity. And I believe strongly, and and it also could be just because I've been blessed with the people I've hired that this has worked out um, in my career. But I believe if you can find someone who can tell a story, the medium doesn't matter and they can direct the, the visuals for it. So, you know, oftentimes, like when I bring in someone new into content, we focus more on what I would say like traditional mediums, right? Like blog posts ebook style content. And then they work often with graphic designers. And then we work on video kind of like as the next thing, like how do they learn to write video scripts? How do they learn to work with, you know, whether that's a videographer or an animator to really design and tell a story and storyboard that out. But I do believe if you can nail the first part, I can teach the rest. I love it. So you, let's say we're, we're talking hypotheticals here, but you had some candidates you gave them the work, one rose to the top. You're like, you need to be hired. All the negotiation, all that fun stuff is over. They come on board on Lumavate. I'd, I'd love to learn about like your onboarding process for, for new hires. Like what has worked for you in the past? Um, I like to call it, you know, baptism by fire. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I think part of that's like the stage of company we're in, right? Where I've, when I've worked at other companies where we've been further along in the growth cycle, and we're larger, it's a very different process. But right now I would say it's a little baptism by fire. And what I mean by that is I want to immerse you in everything we do as quickly as possible. That does not mean like the first week you're getting forward with like a ton of things to do. It means that like we're going through content. We're going all the different types that we do. We're talking about the pieces that worked, the pieces that didn't, that drove results. You know, typically like week one goals for someone in this type of role include like, I have a list of like podcast episodes. I want them to listen to, I want them to listen to all of them, but like this week, let's do these. I want you to watch, read these pieces of content, these blog posts, because I want to get them an idea of like, this is what we think is exceptional content and really start to level set that. And then kind of like their to do action at the end of week one is I want you to identify two blog posts you're going to write the following week. You get to pick topics. Because what it does there is it starts to give them creativity with also some guardrails. I'm a big believer in this idea of like creating guardrails for especially younger team members that can allow them to be very successful, but also give them a ton of opportunity for creativity. And the first way we start that is you, you know, you've read the blog post, you've listened to a couple episodes, you've read our key, like our core content, you've been through onboarding sessions with all aspects of the company for the week. What are two pieces of blog content that you want to write next week that you feel like we're missing or hot topics? And it gives you a lot of perspective of, you know, where they might start to go with the role and also what they're interested in. It's hard to ask someone during the interview process, like we do a lot of things. What would you be most interested in? Because like in reality, unless they've experienced in it, they don't know. So this helps start to get like, you've read a bunch of stuff. Where do you start to find your kind of like interest level? And I love finding opportunities to pair what people are interested in personally with like the content that they do, because it just, it takes it to another level. I love that. That's great perspective. One of the things you, you touched on there that I'd love to dig into a little bit is they might not have experience in the area. And I think one of the conversations in content marketing that I've heard a lot is just this topic of like domain expertise and the importance of it. How do you about like, 
when you're bringing someone on board, does it matter that they have not written or worked at a company in an adjacent industry? Like, does it matter? Like how, like, do you consider that? Like, what are your thoughts there? I mean, that's the ideal scenario, right? The ideal scenario is we can all go find these domain experts and the areas that we want to write content about, and they want to come work for us full time. The reality is like, that doesn't happen (laughs) because the domain experts don't usually want to write content anymore. They want to direct a content strategy, right? They're next leveling up. And so, or, you know, they're freelancing and they're doing other things and you can't get them full time. So what I believe is you don't necessarily need domain experts writing your content if you have domain experts at your company. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a way to balance the two, right? And I'll give you an example of that just happened this week. So our VP of engineering is like most VPs of engineering, which is like, he doesn't have a photo on LinkedIn working on it. He doesn't post on LinkedIn. Asking him to write a piece of content is like a punishment versus anything else. If I need him to write requirements in Jira, he's good, but right. Just it's different, but there's a lot of things that he's a domain expert on that we would love to share more about. So, you know, how we think about that with him is saying, fleshing out topics where we want to highlight his expertise and then doing one of two things. One, either having someone from, you know, the content team write, write it for him as a ghostwriter or having, you know, doing it where there it's published under their byline and he does a 30 minute conversation and kind of like brain dumps, right? And it's more like almost a journalistic style. Like they come in, they interview him, they ask him questions and then they figure out what the story is they want to tell afterwards. So I find that to be highly effective. The other thing that we do a lot and I talked about this a second ago with guardrails is I have been this way pretty much like my entire career when managing a team is I love to set like, you know, the wide guardrails on the road. We're all going to sit. We know where we're going. Here are the guardrails. If you drive in the fast lane, the slow lane, the middle lane, I don't really care as long as we all get there and we're on the same interstate. So when we think about a piece of content, you know, that's getting assigned to someone that doesn't have expertise in that area. A lot of times what I ask the demand expert to do, which might be myself or someone else is to do an outline. And so it's really simple. They typically don't take more than 20 or 30 minutes, but what it does is what is the purpose of the piece? And people forget this and they're like, well, it's to write the content. It's not, I mean, yes, but like, what's the goal? What are we hoping will happen? Are we trying to drive certain metrics from this? Are we using this as an education piece? Is it used, you know, where in the funnel is it being used? How we know if this was successful? Because I think that's super important for you to do before you write any piece of content. Otherwise you start to figure, like worry or lose sight of like why you're doing it or if it's working or not. And then we do, and this is my style, but what are the questions this piece of content should answer? So it's on this topic. If I'm reading this, And it'll say like, you know, our target audience is maybe like CMOs at Fortune 500 companies. Um, Here are the questions they would expect a piece of content on this topic to answer. I'm not giving you the answers, but I'm telling you like, we're talking about this topic. It should answer these questions. And then I typically do like a resource section where I will put in links to other pieces of content we've written, other articles, other people to, you know, potentially interview for it, et cetera. And that's what I deliver. And it's typically less than a, you know, a page in a Google doc and it gives them guardrails. And then from that, you know, I would say 90% of the time 
we, I get a piece of content that is right on the mark of where we want it to be. Another 10% of the time, it needs a little bit of like massaging, but it's more of like style or, Hey, can we like, this is really good. Like we dig a little deeper in this topic, or I think you answered this question, but now that you've answered this question, like there's this other question that I wasn't thinking about that we need to answer. Um, but it, you know, usually just goes through like a quick edit process and into design or, you know, if it's a video script into, you know, production for that, but that's been really, really effective for us on, you know, working with talent fresh out of college, intern, college interns, even, um, that have written content for us. They've been able to write infographics, eBooks, videos without having domain expertise or any prior experience doing any of it. So I love that. I think content marketing, I, I guess, let's go wait, go turn the clock back. It seems like content marketing used to be this like, all right, we're going to hire this content person. They're going to write a bunch of blog posts every day because we know Google likes it. We're going to put a bunch of keywords in there and they're going to be a, this content factory. And that's how content marketing used to be. And now content marketing has really moved into this like strategic function within businesses because it helps educate, it helps build brand. And I think mm -hmm. still we, we as marketing leaders find opportunity with digging in fresh out of college, hiring really smart people, bringing them into the organization, give them guardrails, give them kind of the structure out of the gates and kind of let them get up to speed and, and just let them fly. You touched on a couple things that I'd like to dig in to a little more. One being the uh, example with your VP of engineering, and it could be your VP of engineering. It could be someone outside of Lumivate, mm -hmm. um, but like this idea of content facilitation and yes, you are the content person, but you don't necessarily have to be the one like, right, like with the original ideas, original thought, like it is your job now in content to pull these ideas from different people and then go create a piece of content. That's something that I've been like working on, like the mindset shift for like when thinking about the hiring process, like how do you, is that something that you're in communication with the individual that they, that's something that they need to do? Is it like a crawl, walk, run approach? I'd love for you to maybe dig in a little more on that topic. Cause I think it's important. Yeah, it's definitely an evolution. I think, you know, to your point, there was, and there still is right. To some extent, right. Like you, there's this feel like, it's not keeping up with the Joneses, but it's like keeping up with the Google there are things that you feel like you need to do to keep up with Google and to make Google happy that are not necessarily always the best strategic decisions long-term, but that still help you from an SEO perspective. So, you know, I think one of the things that we've done, I think really well, and have continued to evolve how we do it. And we're getting ready to enter like our next evolution of that right now at Lumivate is how we think about what matters. And, you know, Part of it is around thinking about like your, you know, the core people that you target. And I think sometimes, you know, whether you call them ideal customer profiles, heroes like we talked about, but a lot of people are like, oh, we target, insert like these job titles at these types of companies. Great. What do they care about? Like how many times do you ask the question, like, what do they care about? And how do you start to segment, you know, here are the people that we target and here are the thing topics they care about. And we break them into, and this is kind of like the next evolution for us now is evergreen topics, topics that they're always going to care about hot topics, which are topics that are coming up. Um, like for us, there's a lot of change happening with privacy around the apps, you know, the Apple app store, which impacts 
our customers and our future customers. And so those are hot topics that are, you know, going to be very timely that you can't always plan for. And they just kind of pop up out of nowhere. And then topics that are seasonal. There are also things that, you know, especially if you target retailers, right? They start planning for the holidays way earlier than you think, than a lot of people I think realize. So those are kind of like how we've started to bucket it. So with every group and audience that we're targeting, we're asking, what do they care most about? And this is not related to you and your platform or your product, which I think is the number one mistake. They're like, oh, let me tell you my about the value props. I'm like, I mean, great. You should know those. <laughs> um, but then what I, what I, what I mean is what do they care about related to the space in which you play um, related to how, where you play fits into the bigger picture. So like for us, you know, that's really around while we're a platform that enables you to build, you know, apps without code, that's about engaging with your customers in a different way. So the space that we kind of play in from a content perspective is not just marketing, digital marketing or any of those things. It's really about customer experience and what that should look like. So what are the topics they care about? Well, your CMO at a Fortune 500 company cares about very different things than your marketing director at a mid-size company. And so how do you start to break those down? And what you'll get from there is really, you know, kind of what we are starting to call them now, like flags. So how, and I think this is the thing that is the hardest for people to shift to. And it it has been, I think, you know, for us and our evolution, like it was one of those moments where you had this, I had this light bulb and I was like, "Uh, oh, well, duh, why weren't we doing this before? But we're so inclined to go, we're going to write content on these topics for these people. Instead of going like, what are the three to five things we want to go plant a flag on? Like the hill we want to die on. And that's kind of the internal phrase we've been using. What hills do we want to die on? And what you'll find is if you're doing it right and you're really thinking strategically about the questions and the topics that each audience wants to learn about related to where you play, you'll find there are three to five overarching hills that you should want to die on. And then it becomes really easy because then you go, okay, these are the hills. This, these are how like, you know, this audience cares about these two hills. This audience cares about this one hill. And then you start going, okay, what's the content underneath that? So like for us, you know, like one of our hills is going to be the future of no, the future is no code. Like we strongly believe that. And there are going to be hundreds of pieces of content we can write on that topic in totally different ways that are going to attract and really meet the needs of multiple audiences for us. But what is important about it is it all ladders up to a bigger thing. I think sometimes we go, okay, let's go create something really cool and this cool piece of content. And maybe it goes viral on LinkedIn or has, you know, all this traction, which is great. But at the end of the day, does that start to make you an expert in the topic in the space where you want to be an expert in? Because that's what drives long-term brand value. And, you know, that's what we're trying, I think, to balance is how do you figure out like those overarching topics and then start to build down from there? And I think that then gives your team, you know, like for us, and I, we recently went through this, so I can kind of share like how it all kind of came for us. We, you know, broke out, you know, really what we would say is our, like our audience segments and the question, what they, and we made a list of everything that we just like brain dumped that we thought they cared about all the topics. And we were starting to go through this process of like, okay, 
wait, wait a second. Like this is like the same topic, but a totally different spin for a totally different audience. And this is like a facet. And we start going like, wait, there's, there's some, wait, duh, <laughs> there's some hills. And what that's led us to is kind of like the next evolution, which, which is, I'm very excited about for us because I wish I would, we would have figured this out before is now we have a, we're going to create this content plan and we're in the process of doing it where it's, you know, here are the Hills, here are the pieces of content that we're starting to create. Here's the specific audience that it's going to target. Is it evergreen? Is it a hot topic? What's the medium? We've even went through and said, what type of content do we want to create? And that's not just about the owned content, but what's the earned content too? How do you make content? And I think this is this, a challenge that's happening right now is people are like, well, there's content marketing and then there's like PR, right? And thought leadership. And I'm like, no, they're all the same thing. And which I, I'm sure I'll get a lot of like DMs on LinkedIn when people hear this and go, they're totally not. They are, <laughs> if you're doing it right. Um, do they require different skill sets to do effectively? Right? Yes. Right. But they have the big, the same arching overarching goal, which is why aren't, if you're going to write content, like for us, that the future is no code. If I'm going to write a piece of content about that, why am I also not trying to get on podcasts talking about that? Why am I also not trying to talk to TechCrunch about that or get a speaking opportunity? Why is that not more holistic? And why don't we think about content marketing to your point earlier as a strategic pillar of our entire like marketing organization, because it really is the future. And I think some people are going to say that sounds crazy. And how do you drive demand? Like that squishy and driving demand and all the, all the things. But in reality, people buy from people they trust. There's, uh, there's so much there. Uh, I think I love this, uh, this, this no code notion. And the reason why I love this, the Hills too, is because there's some side effects when you do this and the side effects I think are positive. One, one of them is it gives the, not just like the content person, but the entire team, something to unite around. And when everyone believes then um, it makes it that much stronger, right? Your people are your best activators. So that's one. And then I think the second one is, is like, by you saying like no code and like, you know, trying to get on stage, try to jump on podcasts, try to write articles, all those things, you're going to ruffle some feathers, right? Some people's roles, right? That they're responsible for writing code for the, for, and you're the uh, anti of that by what your yep. solution provides. But I like that. Like, I like ruffling feathers because it's making some noise and getting people to talk about. So like, do you feel the same way? Oh, a hundred percent. There's a country song for those of you that listen to country music. (laughs) That's like, I'm not for everyone. Um, And I say that all the time, like we're not for everyone. And that's okay. Because if you're for everyone, you're for no one. And just also because we're not for you right now, because maybe are, you know, the idea that the future is no code, like scares the crap out of you. You don't believe it's possible. I mean, there's a list of, of reasons, right? Doesn't mean that we're not for you in three years or five years, right? Because if we're doing this right, and we've picked the right hills to die on, we will be for, for more and more people over time. So, you know, I also believe that there's, and it kind of goes back to like this idea we talked about, like 
if you create this cool piece of content, whatever it is, whatever the mechanism is, I've seen so many great things in terms of creativity being created. But I ask at the end of the day, like, that was really cool. What you did, whether it was an event, a video was awesome. But so what? Like, how does it make me remember you for something bigger than, oh, that was that really cool video I saw or that, you know, really cool piece of content that I read. I want to be the place that people go back to, right. That people look forward to. And I, you know, I think if you think about some of these bigger brands that have done that effectively, right. Like HubSpot's a great example. HubSpot has made a name for themselves because they've really been, especially early on in their company history, created content for SMB mid-market marketers and company owners where you could go do all of these things, right? A lot of which were not even related to what they were selling, but they became the place that everyone went to, to find interesting information and helpful information. They became the perceived experts on how to run a business in that space. And Every company, if you're doing content right, it should be that. And I think the other thing that it makes me think about is content the right word. Um, and it's funny because like we talk about digital marketing and my VP of marketing and I have, we also believe like digital marketing is not a thing, right? Like it, that's called marketing. Just and marketing. I, it's <laughs> just marketing because spoiler alert, it's all on the internet. <laughs> um, so like when you hire for like, a digital, like a director of digital marketing. I'm like, what does that mean that they like, they do the internet? Like, I don't understand. Like we all should, but we all should also do things offline. Right. It's bigger than that. But I think sometimes when we say content marketing, it puts us in this like box around like, Oh, well you, you write words, you create infographics. And it, I don't know what the right phrase for it is. I do think that someday we'll have you having the same conversation about content marketing that we just had about digital marketing, that it'll just be marketing. I don't know if the world's ready for that yet, but I think great brands have started to figure that out. That content marketing is, is really what marketing is. The world is so noisy. You can do ads all you want, no matter how much money you have. It is not a scalable growth mechanism for any business, but what is, is having a voice and a perspective that is unique, that speaks to your audience in a way that no one else is doing. And that to me is what great content is. It's, it's more than all the things that I think people think about it today. And it deserves a bigger seat at the table. I love it. And I love the speculation and, and <laughs> theorizing around it. And I, I, I agree with you. And in positioning and writing copy, when I get to the content marketing word, to me, it, it feels like it should mean so much more than it, it does. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. Maybe we close it out here. I we talk, There's a lot of ground covered, talked about a lot, but let's leave the listeners with this. When we talk, when you think about advanced level content, what are like the core ingredients that people, that marketers out here listening can be thinking about in order to create that advanced level content? That's not just like a, churning out blog posts, like how would you sum it up? I think, and this is going to seem a little counterintuitive because it's super squishy and you can't measure it easily, but exceptional advanced level content is the content I send to my peers. And that doesn't yes. mean I post it on LinkedIn. It means it's the thing that I text, right? Like my friends 
um, that are in the space, but I send someone a Slack about, I'm like, you've got to read this because, and you can't measure that. Like that's, what's hard. I mean, you could technically maybe measure views and stuff and not see where it's coming from. It's not the stuff that's going to go viral on social. Um, because here's the thing, advanced level content targeted at executives, especially they don't share that stuff on social for a wide variety of reasons. They send it to their network and their network is typically similar to them, highly engaged. That is what exceptional advanced level content looks like. And to me, like that should be everyone's goal. The goal shouldn't be like, how do I get like 40,000 views on LinkedIn and all this other nonsense? I mean, great. I, there's benefit to doing all that. Don't get me wrong. But if you're targeting more senior level people, it is how do I get my target audience to share it with three of their friends that are in similar roles at similar companies? Because if you can figure that out, it takes you to the next level. And the only way you can do that is by going after questions and topics they really care about and coming at it from a unique position that no one has tackled yet. It's not writing the same content on the same topics that everyone else has already done because they've seen that crap. Quality over quantity all every day of the week. I'm all about that and agree. Optimize your content for the DMs in the slacks, yes. in the text. That I love how we closed out with there and I'm a firm believer in that. Stephanie, before we let you get out, where can, obviously they can probably find it where people listen to podcasts, but when do new episodes of Real Marketers drop? And then anything else you want to plug that's happening at Lumivate right now? Yeah. So, um, we actually just closed out our second season of real marketers. We back after the holidays with season three and we got some big plans. I'm super, super excited, but I think my head of marketing would like literally murder me if I told him, (laughs) if I said what was happening, spoiler alert, Um, spoiler alert. There are times when I do that and he's like, can you not? (laughs) So (laughs) Phil, I'm not doing that right now. Um, but big things coming. And then, you know, obviously with Lumivate, you know, I hopefully we're putting out content that all of your listeners want to read um, and sending it to people in their DMs. If not, let me know because then we're not doing our job. Awesome. Stephanie, this was fun catching up. I know everyone out there learned something. We'll have to have you back on. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So much ground covered in that conversation. It is fun to watch Stephanie grow professionally and now leading Lumivate. Go check out their podcast, Real Marketers. I enjoy it. I got a chance to be on it last year. Really good stuff. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back more modern day marketer next week. 